Hello, I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and welcome to the Framestore podcast, our fourth and final special episode where we review what was 2022 through the lens of hand-picked members of Framestore leaders in film and episodic, advertising, immersive and pre-production services. As I'm sure you know by now, our podcast is a learning and talent development focused podcast made by Framestore for Framestore. And each week we present a conversation across two halves, but not for these episodes. Firstly, there's no co-host, just yours truly chatting to our senior leaders. And rather than the usual set questions designed to find out what makes our guests tick, we've altered the questions to focus more on the work, the shows, projects, our special guest for this episode is Sarah Kushwa, Managing Director of FPS. This is another wonderful conversation and incredible insight behind the curtain of Framestore Pre-Production Services and a rare opportunity to look under the hood of last year, aided by some incredible projects, experiences, and of course, Sarah's perspectives. So that's it for now. We very much hope you enjoy episode eight, Framestore podcast with Sarah Kashwa. Hello and welcome to the fourth and final instalment of our special episodes of the Framestore podcast, casting our minds back across 2022. Regular listeners will know by now that we've temporarily altered the format of our first episodes of 2023 by reflecting on our work last year via a new version of the Framestore podcast, Dailies Questions. As you know, we've already covered film and episodic with Lucy Killick, advertising with James Razzle and immersive with Carl Woolley. If you haven't listened to them yet, you must check them out. On this episode, our special guest is Sarah Kushwa. Managing Director of Framestore Pre-Production Services, or FPS as it's better known. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Happy New Year. How the devil are you? Hi, Simon. Thank you for having me. I'm very well. Very well. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we should kick off this episode with a little caveat because uh, we did record this last week and then the, uh, the sound quality failed us miserably. So this is actually our take two. I think we should be honest with our listeners. Uh, this will be a much better recording, won't it? I'm sure, but uh, we should put that out there from the get-go, right? Yes, absolutely. We had a little rehearsal. Yes, a little dress rehearsal. We promise uh, loyal listeners of Framestore that this will be a, an even better episode than our, our dress rehearsal. That's the whole point of dress rehearsals, right? Yes. So uh, how, how, how have you been since we last spoke <laughs> two days ago? Oh, very well. Uh, enjoyed the weekend. Went for a bike ride with my kids. My son managed to uh, fall miserably. <laughs> So we came back home very quickly. No, but all good. All good. That's how that's how you learn. Exactly. Good. And talking of learning, you're here on our learning podcast, which is uh, what it's all about, putting these episodes out. And uh, you're kind of uh, bringing it home with our final episode of these 2022 reviews, which is exciting, covering FPS. Before we get into the dailies questions, Sarah, I'd love to um, you know talk a bit about 2022 as a, as a year for you, rather than kind of the dailies which we'll get into. But you know, how was 2022 for you? 2022 was, I think, we turned a corner at FPS. It was a very very challenging year again. Lots of people joining or leaving. Lots of technical challenges. But I think we made such a great progress. 2022 was our third year. We are starting a fourth year now, and uh, and you could I could see really things coming together, and and the team is is has become really strong. Uh, our pipeline has also become a lot stronger. So it's really really, yeah. We, I think we really turned a corner last year. Um, the first half of the year was very challenging. Obviously, returning to the office has been a, an interesting journey. It took us. Like the rest of Friends Store, like the rest of the world, I think it took us a while to get used to it. But I think we are getting in a new, in a good, good new pattern now. Good news, good news, and yeah, congratulations on so it's it's an anniversary of sorts this month, right? Yes, almost. Um, FPS was created just at the end of 2019, so it's been already uh, three years. I only joined in 2020, so uh, yes, in a, in a few weeks will be my my third, my fourth 
third anniversary yes exciting well congratulations on your third anniversary that's great news and uh, yeah, go and and the whole hybrid situation has been interesting, isn't it? Because um, thinking about you being four years or, or into your fourth year as FPS, uh, you could argue that going into this year could almost be the first year proper where everybody is kind of back or adopting hybrid, or you know we don't have to necessarily worry too much about you know the dreaded pandemic. You know we are essentially you know yeah all systems go for for a full year of of great content. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's very that's fair to say. We started this journey um, just two weeks before the first lockdown, so we've learned how to work together from home. But I must say, coming back to the office has been a, a huge relief for me because I think I think it was very it was time and it was necessary. But this year, yes, definitely, we start this year knowing that we have a lot of people joining. Actually, we joined last week, joining this week. And, and throughout the next uh, four weeks, we have a lot, a lot more people joining us. So we know, and we know exactly what to expect. We know how to make it work with this hybrid working. We we have all the questions sorted at the start. It's just a matter of making sure people are are happy to uh, to come in and see us, and and making sure we feel them. We make them feel sorry. We make them feel welcome. And talking of being made to feel welcome, you've had uh, obviously a, FPS has been flourishing during pandemic and all, all the kind of virtual productions and all the amazing content which we will talk about as we reflect over 2022 but you've obviously had a lot of people join because it's a new part of the business fully locked down plopped down fully you know hybrid and I guess you've probably still got members of the team who are meeting for the first time how's that affecting team spirit is it a, a positive oh yes me, having the team to meet absolutely it's very positive we've tried to organize drinks to encourage people to come to the office to to meet each other um at the start we, we try to enforce they put your camera on we need to see each other we need to get that we, we can't be in a room uh, next to each other we have at, at least to see our, our faces but now yes there's a huge positive. The information is is floating a lot better. You can see that some little groups have started forming. It means that they can train each other. They can learn from each other a, a lot faster. We're trying. I'm trying to get to, to be in the office at least a couple of days a week to meet with people. I'm always running like a headless chicken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, it's really nice to um to to see people for for real to have lunch together, to, to be able to go to maybe for a drink after work and to have those chats about other things that, than work. Because work is great, but outside of work, we also need to, to yes, enjoy the people we are working with. But outside of work, I think it's just also very important. Yeah, like, as you say, it's so important to that that team spirit, the kind of, yes. you know, the, the virtual, whether it's the virtual or physical coffees, the debriefs, the... You know, or just talking about random stuff or what you watched on, you know, Netflix the night before or what you did at the weekend. You know, we always start these podcasts with a little bit of small talk and relationship building. And that's so important, isn't it? Looking back, because our our relationship with work has been very transactional, I would argue, over lockdown, where you're just bouncing from meeting to meeting, from action item to action item. And rarely do we have an opportunity to just be with our colleagues. Yes, absolutely. And to also get to remember those things a lot better because for two years, all our meetings were on Zoom. So you're, you don't have a place, a location or an event that will help you remembering that conversation because what, in the past, you, you remember something because of the place you were because, oh, yes, it happened in, in that room or it happened with those people. And do you remember when someone says something crazy? Or, but you have something to relate to where for two and a half years, we were all online, so it's really hard to remember and to, to put a date and to put a chronology on, on, on things. So I think it's really it's really nice to have the ability to be able to yeah to do that again. Yeah, and, and how are you feeling going into 22? I mean, we touched on it briefly already, but about people coming back together and coming together as a team. But, you know, how are you feeling going into 22 both as a kind of unit, as FPS, as Sarah Kashwa, as Framestore? How are you feeling about 2023? I'm very excited about 2023 because, as I said, because we turned that corner last year, we start this year very strong. Luckily, we have also a lot of work coming in. Our teams are getting stronger. They they know each other a lot better, so they can work better together. Also, I think we've um, we've got closer to uh, to our our film teams. So last year, we spent a lot of time trying to not I wouldn't say educate, but to communicate a lot more 
with the, the film side and with the VFX supervisors, the CG supervisors, with production. So we know each other better and we've developed those um, those connections. So this year, I think it's about reinforcing all of that. And and yes, I've, I've really um, a very good feeling about this year. The shows that are coming our way are really, really exciting. So yeah, I um, yeah, I look forward to 2023. I think it's going to be a good year after the last three. Yeah, and I'm keen to explore that as we go through the uh, podcast dailies. And, and you used the term education earlier um, in that last example. Um, and one of the things I come across a lot, particularly with the Global Mentoring Programme, is whenever I'm connecting somebody to a mentor in FPS, and we do have a lot of FPS mentors, your, yourself included, Sarah, yes. uh, but a lot of the team have signed up in their droves, both mentees and mentors. Uh, a lot of the questions I get from the potential mentees, they always ask what FPS is. And I know there's education out there. I know we have stuff out there on the the intranet and on the internet. But uh, for those that don't know what FPS do, well, can you explain in a, in a nutshell what, what, what the role of FPS is within Framestore, Sarah? Yes, absolutely. So um, FPS, pre-production, covers most of the service that you would find in, in pre-production, uh, except the art department. Obviously, the art department, I would leave that to, uh, to Jenny and Martin, who are absolutely awesome at what they're doing. But we are covering, so pre-vis, tech-vis, post-vis, but all sorts of virtual production, which can be agile virtual production, scouting, AR toolset, uh, all the way to volume shoots, LED shoots, and also capture. So we support filmmakers to bring their vision on, on on screen, but to help them to figure out how they're going to shoot a certain scene or, or how the story is going to evolve. They have a story point that they need to to dig into. They're not quite sure what it's going to be. It go, it's going to become. So, uh, so we are helping them bringing the vision on screen before it gets uh, it gets shot. I love that, and I love that you talk about bringing the vision to the screen. You know, whether it's the the director, the writer, whoever comes to you, the client, and because whenever I think of FPS, I think of something very technical. I see all the kind of behind the scenes. I see all the stuff around virtual production. I see the job titles of all of your staff. I'm like, wow, these guys are mathematicians. Even the work my my colleague Sergio does with you on the Unreal side, I'm like, wow, this is an alien world to me. And it's really reassuring to come back to story and vision and the, what people see and bringing that to life. Is that fair? Yes, absolutely. Because it is very technical, but it's also it's all about the story and how you're going to make a story efficient, uh, realistic, how you're going to be able to shoot it. Um, but a lot of our work can also be not technical at all, actually. Well, not technical at all. That's not true. But uh, it's it's going to be about the story. What is the story point that we want to uh, to develop? What does a director want to say in there? And it comes with camera language, obviously with performance. But obviously, we don't we're not in charge of the performance that will happen once the uh, the actor is on set. But at least we can help them guide that the the actors and guide and help inform the DOP, inform the, the camera crew on how, how to shoot that scene to make it more efficient and to really translate what the director wants to say. We also do like pitch viz, so it doesn't go on set. Um, it's just something to to give the studio or marketing teams the um, the will to, to, okay, let's green light this show because, yes, the pitch is so good. The director has a vision, is put that through that pitch viz, which is going to be a three or five minutes of a scene uh, fully rendered or not, but just to show an example of what they are trying to achieve. So it doesn't have to be all technical. There's it's a, there's a good balance, I'd say. Wow, so it's a true creative process. It's the first time I've come across uh, the term pitch fizz as well, which is, uh, again, another great uh, reason for the, the existence of this podcast is to share that that knowledge. Unless I'm the only one who's never heard of pitch fizz, then it, it won't be. But, uh... <laughs> no, I'm, and it's it's a lot of what uh, tech viz is also another term that sometimes well, we have a lot of clients saying, oh, we don't want previs, we want only tech viz. But very often we're like, well, if you want to do tech viz, you need to do some previs first. So it's, uh, you're absolutely right. It's a slightly different vocabulary. We don't use it necessarily in visual effects very often, but in pre-production and all the way to shoot. Those terms are very, very common. And, and for a, uh, a part of the business that's been around for a short period of time, you know, how are the relationships with the directors and the uh, the studios? You know, what kind of feedback do you get from from the? I mean, I'm I'm assuming it's amazing from the work I've seen through something like 1899 as an example. But I'd love to hear more behind the curtain around the feedback you get. 
we're, we're getting a really good feedback. Previous has been on for for quite a few years now, and uh, it very much depends on the on the directors we work with, and the DOPs, and uh, and it depends on what they are trying to achieve. We're getting very very good feedback. Last year, and I might uh, touch base on that a bit later, but we had fantastic feedback from from our clients, and now we are seeing shows. The show that we are starting now, it's some of them are repeat business, so it it means that we've We've uh, we brought something to the table, and being part of Framestore, it's even more interesting than it was before because you get all those creatives coming together at a very early early stage, and it it gives the client a better product in the end because they're able to brief um, the teams at once, and everybody has the history of the project. Everybody knows why we um, we made this, that decision on that day, why the director went down that route why this design has changed. All those things make the final product, I think, better because there's also better communication. Knowledge knowledge is shared a lot better. Uh, it's easier. It's a relationship. It's like any relationship, isn't it? The more repeat business you get, the more you understand each other and the more you become in sync. And I think that's a great analogy. Don't get me wrong. There's still a lot to do. A lot to do. I'm sure there, there'll be supervisors listening to this podcast saying, I've not worked with them yet. <laughs> But um, but I think we're making we're making good progress. So um, that's what I, I look forward um, in in twenty twenty three is to develop those relationships even more and to cross cross pollinate and to cross over a lot more, especially now that we have Vancouver, uh, Melbourne, as well as Montreal. So uh, absolutely, and obviously India. Yes, of course. Yeah, no, it's a lot a lot of potential for sure. And, and I think we'll, I, I have a feeling we'll return to this idea of cross-pollination and working more closely with the, the VFX teams globally. Right, I'm going to I'm gonna stop rambling now because I'm super interested in talking about uh, FPS. And we, of course, that's what we're here to talk about. But we should open the podcast daily, shouldn't we, Sarah? And, and drop the dramatic sound effect. There it goes. And we're into question one, which is kind of already kind of given away, but I ask it anyway, which is who, where, what? Who are you? Where are you? And what are you working on if you are allowed to talk about it, which I imagine you probably can't? Well, not everything. You're right. Uh, I can talk about what we've done last year, hopefully, or the year before. Um, so I'm Sarah Cochois. I'm the managing director of FPS, Framestore Pre-Production Services. I'm based in London. And we cover, as I said just before, pre-vis, tech-vis, post-vis, but also virtual production, virtual art department, and uh, capture lab. And virtual production can go all the way from the agile virtual production, so the, the, the agile tool set of AR, VR scouting, or virtual camera, all the way to LED. You've been asked that question before, clearly. It's very, <laughs> a lot in there, a lot to remember. <laughs> Yes, quite a few, quite a few, but they all they all link to each other. So previous tech vis post vis that all goes together, and we call it visualization, um, actually. But that's true that visualization covers covers it all, even covers the uh, the virtual production. So it's it's good to uh, to give some details. So basically, all the vises. All the vises, absolutely. And Sarah, how long have you worked here? We didn't touch on that in my rambling intro. So um, yeah, how long have you been with the business? Is it the the three and a bit years of FPS, or does it run deeper than that? Oh, it runs deeper than that. Um, so three years, coming up to three years now with FBS. Um, but before that, I was 50% frame store. So I, I used to be um, head of production at uh, CertFloor. Yes, of course. When it was when it was a joint venture with frame store. So I spent like, oh, yes, another five and a half years. So I'm coming on to my, yeah, entering almost my nine, ninth year in frame store. Wow. Yeah, and I completely forget. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we have company three on the third floor now, don't we? But I used to take great delight in visiting Framestore in my former role and uh, seeing the third floor on the actual third floor. I think you think it was just brilliant, genius, bit of genius. That it was about time after all these years on the middle floor on Burner Street, uh, where yes, no one could ever find us. It was really funny. Yeah, no, right? Yeah, I can imagine. Actually, you would have been kind of hidden away, wouldn't you? Of course. Brilliant. But yeah, wow, nine years. So coming up to a decade at Framestore. That's pretty cool. Yes, yes. And it's really funny because when we when I started officially like 100-person Framestore, which I, I think was uh, the best decision I've made, obviously, it was really funny because I was like, oh, I know a lot of people already. That'd be, 
that'd be fine. And I remember my first couple of weeks, I was like, who do I talk to for this? Who do I talk to for that? And I re quickly realized that, oh, actually, Framestore is a lot uh, bigger than I thought. And there's a lot more people involved. I won't lie, it took me a good six months <laughs> to get my head around everyone and to know who to talk to about what. And even nowadays, every now and then, I'm messaging someone saying, are you the right person about to talk about this? And they're usually like, nope. It's funny when you talk about scale, because um, I joined Framestore literally this time last year, post-COVID, where the building is at best probably 50 60% capacity, uh, if that. And then I remember going to the uh, the Christmas party last year, where, of course, everybody goes to the Christmas party. And I was I was blown away by the numbers yes. at that Christmas party. So I went to kind of the first floor. I was like, okay, this makes sense. And I went to the... I found out there was a, a, a basement and it was huge, this sprawling space, just wall-to-wall -wall people. Like talk about visual, a visual uh, representation of the, the, the population. It was uh, insane. That's such a, such a massive group of people. And that's just London, let alone the whole business. And that, exactly. That was just London. It's, um, no, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. When I'm in those sales meetings with you, you'll hear all those names or the supervisors' names because obviously I would know now most of the London supervisors, some of the Montreal supervisors, but then you, you, yeah, you hear some names and you're like, oh my God, who, who are they? And um, I've met a few months ago now the supervisors from Methods in uh, Vancouver when they joined. So obviously, Frame Store supervisors in Vancouver. And uh, it was really, it was really nice. To meet them and to have a chat and to, okay to put a face onto a name and now we um yes there's so many so many people and I love being on the obviously on the chat on the um, mentor mentor chat so so many people in there like where are you in the world and now sometimes when um I had someone reaching out to me a few weeks ago to to have a chat about what we could do for virtual production and cross site and it was like where in the world are you because before you can meet someone you need to know okay what time zone are you on so i can uh, so yes frame store is is really big but that's also what makes it very interesting yeah it's, a, it's an interesting point around the whole kind of globalization of the company and hybrid working and you mentioned that the mentoring um kind of uh, chat space that we have with all the mentors and i guess you take it for granted that that is a population of over 200 people from all over the world, literally Australia, America, India, Canada. And yeah, maybe it, is, it needs to be part of our rhetoric now where it's like not just, you know, back in the day, it'd be, do you want to meet for coffee? Now it's like, where in the world are you exactly? <laughs> are you on my time zone? It is, it is mad. It is mad, but also incredibly exciting. Wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. I mean, again, the whole idea of all of this is creating community uh, globally and connection globally. So you feel part of one frame store, which is, uh, which is super exciting to your point. Yes, it, it creates opportunities. It creates, yes. Um, it's very exciting. It's very exciting to know that you could, yes, you can get information or you can share knowledge with someone that is like across the globe. Um, it's really, really interesting. Yeah, well, interesting how it develops uh, this year because it's only a six-month-old program at the moment and it's already bearing so much fruit. I mean, I could spend a whole podcast talking about some of these success stories at the back of that program, but we're not here to talk about that. We're, talk we're here to talk about Sarah Cachois's review of the year. So we're going to ask the next question, Sarah, which is, uh, we're into the show stuff now, which is what, in your view, was the breakthrough project or show of 2022? Um, unfortunately, with what we do in pre-production, I can't name the shows until they're out. So you'll have to wait probably. And that's a, down, that's a little bit of a downside of, of what we're doing um, because when we work on something, it's usually out only two years later, if we're lucky. But I would say, so I can give you a, a couple of the hints. Um, one I can talk about is The Last of Us um, because I have three shows in mind for last year. The Last of Us because it was officially our first show that went to a client for for previous that we done entirely in unreal and i remember vincent opeti our creative director saying when we received the first call on that one he was like we have to do it there's no there's no other way we have to take on that job and we'll do it all in unreal because we can because um it was it was really really and i was like, oh i'm not sure i'm not sure it's very it's going to be very challenging and and actually he was absolutely right 
and we did we did render it all in Unreal. It looked awesome, uh, and I hope I hope it uh, it stayed that way in the final program. I think I think we yes we worked on episode five and six, so we'll have to wait a few weeks before seeing uh, the result. That one was really really exciting to uh, to work on. Although I'm not I am not a gamer, right? I'm not someone who. Um, I'm not attached to Last of Us at all, but it was really, really uh, interesting. The other two, it's the uh, the Plastic Lady. The new code name for that show, yes. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> which brought a lot of the the, the frame store teams together. There was a um, uh, some some concept design, some vis dev, a lot of previs, a lot of virtual production. We shot in the volume that show, and now obviously we've done some post vis using real-time technology as well um, and uh, and Montreal is working on the on the visual effects so to me even though we have done other shows before like Moon Knight obviously that crossed over a lot of disciplines I think that lady in plastic has, has, has helped us turning that corner really because it helped us pushing our, our virtual production tool set and really integrating a bit more with the with the visual effects teams so that was that was a, a very 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 challenging one. I won't lie, but I think the result the result is is really really awesome. It looks amazing. I mean, I, I won't lie. It's, as a, as a show pre frame store, it wouldn't be something I'd be particularly looking forward to if you were going to pitch that show to me. But what it looks like as a piece of filmmaking, it looks amazing. Even just like yeah, the work of the color grading team alone. <laughs> yes, absolutely, and. And I remember when we got the first call about that one, half the team was like, oh, really? Oh. And the other half was like, oh, the director is wonderful. I want I want in. I want to work on that one. Oh, okay. So it was not actually, it was quite easy to, uh, to crew it. Now, I was not necessarily convinced at the start neither. And now I'm like, I really want to see it. And the last one was a, a Marvel episodic that we have just finished before Christmas. The film teams, again, are working on it. And that one was technically really complicated and the quality of it we really upped our games on that one and that raised we raised the quality bar significantly to the point where marvel clients called me once to say guys you are you have been absolutely wonderful you nailed it to the point they gave us more work and uh, so yes when i got that i got a call and i got an email and obviously i forwarded the email to the entire management team saying can you believe it you have to share those uh, it happens, especially when it's hard for for everyone, and 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 we know that 2022 has been hard across the across the company. Having that kind of email saying, "Guys, you have you you really nailed it. You you knocked it out of the park. It's been absolutely brilliant working with you guys." Um, and I think that they are very happy with our, our film team now, and it's a show that is going very well. So, um, so yes. These are my three. I didn't have one, but three. Uh, and what three? Three great, seriously great examples. I love that the Last of Us is the one which is fully unreal. The one that you had to say yes to. I'm so excited. I mean, I'm I am a gamer, and I am all over the Last of Us. It's a game I've played four times already. I think I'm playing the remake at the moment. So I couldn't be more stoked to see it. And the fact that we've worked on a number of shots for that for that show. I'm couldn't be happier and it's out today isn't it not the one we worked on i don't think but I'm, I'm i'm all in or maybe did we have worked on some shots in that first episode as well no not the first episode episode five and six i think we have to wait yes we'll have to wait a bit longer excellent well again another good reason for this podcast is i know which one to watch officially from a frame store perspective i'll be checking out the credits on that for sure and yeah the uh, as you as you put it the plastic lady show um what a great example of a, almost a stake in the ground for when you know how collaboration can truly work across disciplines, VFX, FPS, the whole team coming together and creating what is literally magic. I mean, it literally looks like magic on screen, doesn't it, from the trailer that I've seen at least anyway. Yes, yes. And that trailer was shot in a volume. Some of those shots were shot in a volume. So you can clearly see, yes, all the teams coming together. And I think it's really, um, that was the goal when we created FPS within Framestore is to integrate all the services and to make sure our clients had a, a one-stop shop where they could get all of it done by, by the same teams or the same people, or at least people that were really connected. And I think um, that one is a great, 
yes, is a great success for that. And so my job on the podcast is to ask the questions that a lot of people feel they can't ask, which are obviously sometimes perceived as silly questions. When you talk about shot in a volume, what are you referring to? The LED, the LED shoot. So yes, a few of those shots in the, that trailer were shot in an LED on an LED stage. I'd love to go on a shoot just to be in the presence of one of those massive LED stages. They look like majestic. They are. They are. They can. I remember the first time I stepped on on that shoot. It made me feel really dizzy, really dizzy, because that world is changing, but yet you are not moving, and it's moving around you, but it's almost a three hundred and sixty. But it looks so. Yeah, it's so. It's so cool. It looks real, doesn't it? It's like the eighteen ninety nine stuff I saw, where they're literally on the boat, and it's all LED wall, all of the ocean, and. The... I think it's great for performers to see. Yeah, to interact with. What they're facing, to interact with, absolutely, absolutely. Some great examples, Sarah. And again, I'm going to keep I'm keep the momentum going, which is the next question, which is a little bit more about Framestore and culture and what it's like to work here is not necessarily what's the best thing about working at Framestore, but what was the best thing about working and being part of Framestore last year? So I'm going to give a very original uh, answer and I'm going to say the people. Of course. Uh, <laughs> but it's not just, it's, it's the people, but it's what the people manage to do when they're together. And it's about the creativity and being part of Framestore last year for me has been part of those great client reviews or, or first pitches to clients, actually, where you have the art department, when you have previous represented, when you have visual effects, when you have VizDev, and you have all these fantastic creative brain coming together to pitch an idea to a client uh, to um, to explain how Framestore is set up and how we can work all together. And having, yes, having the supervisors or, or, or concept artists or getting with examples, with ideas, with referring to movies they've seen or, 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 or shots that we've done in the past and getting all of that together uh, to me is brilliant. I'm very, I'm, very, I'm very much about the journey to get to the final product, not, necess- not necessarily the final product. I know it's probably an unpopular opinion within Framestore when you work for a visual effects company and you're not that interested in the final visual effects. I am obviously interested and I love everything we do. But I love the journey to get there and to discuss the script. And when the director is pitching an idea on when we look at a storyboard and, uh, and the storyboard is not quite what they want. And yet they, they're able to explain it to us. And, and you have, as I said, those very creative people at the table uh, being able to bounce ideas and to, uh, to brainstorm. That's my favorite thing about being part of, of Framestore because we have all of that in-house. We don't need, honestly, we could, I, I really think we have all of all of the, the, the key people in-house. We don't need to look outside. Obviously, it's, it's good to keep our, our, our minds open. And, and, obviously, yeah. and I think that's what makes it quite unique. We are all connected uh, within Framestore. It's the classic. It's, it's all about the journey, not the destination, isn't it? You should be, you should enjoy the process, be part of that, that creative problem solve, which is what what we do in essence, isn't it? I think you should be unapologetic in your answer there, Sarah, because it is what we do. I mean, when I used to do, I did my illustration degree back in the olden days of the 90s, um, and I don't think it's changed now with, with creative qualifications, is the assessors are more interested in the sketchbooks and the, yes. the, the, the almost the journey of that idea rather than the, the shiny piece of artwork on the, on, on, on the wall. And I, that is absolutely what, 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 we're about. I mean, you've only got you've only got to look at credit sequences to see all the people involved in that problem solve, and that's what it is, isn't it? Yes. To come to that that final groundbreaking solution, and a lot of what we do is groundbreaking. I mean, the three examples you mentioned earlier, all big groundbreakers. Even the one you can't name, where you got the glowing Marvel feedback. You know, that's absolutely what we should, we should be excited about. And then the reward is the the great piece of content on the screen. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But yes, that journey and, and being able to see all of that creativity come to fruition at the start, uh, it's really it's really exciting. So moving back into the show, Sarah, what project or piece of work truly showcased our capabilities in 2022? Well, I'm going to go back to the, the, the plastic lady, but also the, the, the chocolate maker. So we have actually, and I, 
I think that's what I said. We turned a corner last year. We've had a number of shows where we've actually managed to do the previs, the postvis, and then the visual effects. And our clients really bought into the fully the full integration of the services. We've had we've had a number of projects using using the, all of the services Framestore has to uh, has to offer. And I think that's what that's that's a very good demonstration of, of what Framestore can do and can achieve. So yes, the, the the lady in plastic, because of all these departments getting involved, um, but also yes, as I said, the chocolate maker, because we had to capture faces. So our, our capture lab was very involved at some point um, as well. It's about all those departments coming together. And uh, so a lot of the shows that we've worked on last year, uh, I've showcased that. And I'm hoping that we can carry on. Great examples. Um, so how did we surprise audiences last year, do you think, Sarah? For me, I'll, I'd like to talk about, um, I think, 1899. Absolutely, yeah. Is a big one. Is a big one for FPS, obviously, because we started this journey end of 2020. Um, it was absolutely insane, and we were not sure. We were not sure it would work. Right? We had there was so much, so many unknowns, and so many technical uh, obstacles in our way. But obviously, we made it. It was it was a, a in the end very fantastic journey, and the result is just breathtaking whether or not you like the, the the show whether or not but the the actual result of those those shots you can't tell you can't tell there is a virtual background that was shot for real and it's been absolutely amazing absolutely amazing it's great to have such a groundbreaking show under under our belt isn't it uh, despite the the sad news that it's not been renewed by netflix i am absolutely sure that show will get picked up somewhere else it's such a strong narrative such a great idea, isn't it? Yes, that was such a surprise, actually, that it was not renewed because we weren't, I was certain, and maybe I was a bit naive, but I was certain it would carry on because of the feedback, because of the fact that we managed to pull out te- techniques that, yes, not many people have done before. So it was because of all of this, because of the narrative, because of the director, the showrunner, um, we, I was convinced it would carry on for season two. Um, what do you want? Maybe we'll get picked up by someone else. I don't know, not counting on that just yet. No, of course. We'll, we'll see. But uh, yes, 1899 has been, abs- as, yeah, has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, the result is is amazing. I made, because obviously I couldn't step uh, on set during the shoot because of all the, uh, the constraints uh, of the pandemic, a lot of the work I had not really seen. And I remember when the first trailer came out, um, I asked one of our TDs to sit down with me and to look at it. And then we were stopping, like scrolling through. Was that shot in the volume? Was that shot in the volume? And I was asking because it, I couldn't believe it. It's like, how? How? It's like, oh, you're right. You look at look at the crowd. They're barely moving. And yes, so it was absolutely really, really incredible. Really incredible. And that team has done so much. So that one for me is a, is a big surprise of, of last year. And obviously in, in, in pre-production, we worked on it the year before. So for us, it's not, it's not last year, it's a year before, but because it only came out uh, end of last year. It's a big show of last year for sure. Yes. And again, it's a great example of how you know, the volume work does, I think, improve performances. You touched on it earlier, like the, you know, the, the, how talent can interact with an actual, the actual thing they're supposed to interact with behind them, I think is a massive luxury but it just looks great and you can tell the uh the, the, the talent are having a blast with it yes yes i think i think for them not to look at yeah to not look at a green screen it's just a, a huge improvement a huge improvement when you see all the work that needs to go into it though yeah it has to be carefully planned to to be really successful and it's only i think i really think it only suits a certain type of, of projects or certain type of shots obviously but yes it's uh, it's so good i don't think it's for everyone though it has to be it has to be as a, yes because it needs to be carefully planned we need all the team to buy into it at an early early stage otherwise uh, it's really hard it's really hard to uh, to make it look real and to really integrate it with the foreground and the actual set but yes otherwise when it's when it's done when it's well done and when when thoughts have gone into it, 
and it's a great great tool no, I completely agree. And and having having that in our portfolio is I think is great as a piece of work as well. I mean, I think we're quite we're often associated with and I, I love the work we do with, you know, Fantastic Beasts and Marvel and all the big shows. But I sometimes think it's really cool to work with um yeah, you know, some an example just brought up on uh, last week's episode with Lucy where she talks about Alex Garland's men. I mean, it was a completely off the wall idea and not a traditional show that we perhaps would have got involved with historically. And the same with eighteen ninety nine, isn't it? It's this really interesting idea script you know off the wall you know take on whatever you want to you know come up with but I just thought it was yeah a brilliant piece of art really like everything we do in many ways yes absolutely but I think you're absolutely right I think we need to keep those pockets of unusual projects for for us because it keeps yes don't get me wrong Marvel projects yes obviously beach visual effects and, and people who are artists love those big, big visual effects and those challenges. But yes, men or 1899 have brought another round of another side of the challenges, um, unusual. And it's good. Yes. It's good to keep, uh, to keep, to keep some diversity. Yeah. Variety is key, isn't it? Amazing. Um, so any big lessons you or the team learned last year, Sarah, that you'll, you'll take into 2023 as learnings or positives? We, I don't know if there's one big lesson we've learned, obviously, a lot about what to do, what not to do, what works on a volume, what doesn't work in a volume, what works in visualization, what doesn't. I think I think I want to say that we were right. And when Framestore decided to to they wanted Framestore wanted to have a fully integrated pipeline and to be able, able to offer an end-to-end pipeline and all the services in-house uh, entirely. I think last year has proven that we were right. That was the right thing to do to integrate pre-production to the visual effects uh, process because it's still challenging and it's not an easy journey, but it makes sense. And our clients are here to, to prove it. They're coming back to us because what they've got has been really efficient and really successful. And even our teams, I think they get getting to see how the visual effects team would work or would tackle a problem or the VizDev team do something, getting all those, as I said earlier, those brains together, it definitely makes something a lot more efficient even in the pre-production and, and vice versa. So I think the le- lesson, it's not really a lesson, it's just the, um, the reassurance that we were right. And, and that journey, as challenging as it is, is, it's been, um, was the right decision because on paper it makes absolute sense doesn't it to have that level of collaboration everybody learns from each other you know you get insights into different disciplines and approaches and pipeline and yeah I mean it, it must be super empowering and quite righteous feeling to know that yeah we were right yeah to have gone on that journey but come out the other end and still continuing to come out of that end you know with all the work we've got planned this year but it must be a great feeling Oh yes, we still have a lot to do. We still have a lot to do to to uh, to integrate even more. I think we're on the right track now. Best answer I've had to that question, Sarah. We were right. We were right. Absolutely. Own it. Own it. Let's be proud of it. Great. Excellent. Excellent answer. Um, so the, probably the most unfair question on the the podcast is question eight, which is uh, who has been your MVP this year or MVPs, who would you uh, cite as your most valuable player or players? And I'm going to dodge it slightly because I don't think there's one person. I think it's a team effort. I work with a fantastic team of supervisors. I work with a fantastic production team, with a fantastic management team. And I think it's not, if you have only one of those teams, it doesn't work because supervisors are brilliant. But when it comes to crewing and organizing things with clients or bidding on money, all of that, they have no clue and that's not their job and they should not have a clue. And same, same thing with their production team. If you don't have the creative in the room, well, then nothing comes out of it. Management, you need to, to keep all those people together. And then the artists, well, a supervisor alone cannot do the work, right? They need, they need their crew. For, for us, as I said, because of that improvement that we've made last year, the, the, the pipeline team delivered the fantastic, fantastic work and I've been really hard on them so um apologies guys love you <laughs> so yes to me it's a, it's the entire team that really came together and has proven that was the right decision 
and we are on the right track. Excellent, excellent. Well, a brilliant, a brilliant um, follow-on from all of your questions because all of the examples you've given so far, Sarah, lead neatly into that answer, which is the whole team, which I think is absolutely fair and and rightfully rightfully dodged, justifiably dodged. Yes. So that's all good. I'd made a little note on that one. Hmm. How do I dodge that one? So what tools or approaches that we developed came into their own last year, in your opinion, Sarah? I think the use of real-time technology and, 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 and solutions and tool sets is definitely uh, evolving rapidly. So that was, that obviously the lady, the plastic lady, or the lady in pink, definitely uh, helped us at pushing that agenda. And, uh, and I think it's going to continue a lot more in, in 2023. We've made fantastic progress. At, the guys have refactored. We, have, we had those tools for years, but they were not piped in. They were not fully integrated. So there was a lot of manual labor. There's still, there's still a few, but it's a lot more it's a lot more reliable. It's a lot more stable. The, the, the team has done a lot, a lot to refactor and to integrate that tool set, that virtual production tool set as well, the lightweight version of it. So the, the, the VR headset, the VCAM, the scouting. And that I've really improved uh, towards the end of last year. It's going to continue now. And that's definitely a, a high priority on our, on our agenda. Yeah, uh, and, and as you've kicked off with, the Unreal is literally, get, yeah, it's not going anywhere, is it? It is literally becoming a massive part of what we do. No, it's not. But now we would like also to uh, to obviously break a myth that we are not everything we do is, is in real time. And actually, it's only for now, it's still a small portion of what we do. That's why it's so important to to push it and to develop the tool set so we can, uh, we can grow that side of the business. But yes, definitely for me, it's very exciting to see all that, those little tools, small tools that we have to help visualization really, um, really come to fruition and really being used a lot more often on our shows. I think this year, 2023, is going to be the year where we need a lot more of Farsight, which is the name of the tool. Now everybody knows it. Farsight and Farsight Go, our virtual production tool set. <laughs> So that's coming. Very keen to see that evolves. And, and talking about developing and, and, and growing as a team, um, off the back of all of these experiences and all of these projects and shows, you know, how are, how are the team learning from those experiences? Is it all through debriefs after projects, and you know, or is it does it go beyond that, Sarah? We do postmortems when it's necessary. I do, I do believe in postmortems only when they have a, a purpose and a life. After it's not just a, it's just not not a, a meeting. To discuss, it has to uh, to have like action points and and things that we can uh, report back to systems, to technology, to artists, to uh, crewing, to whoever. So we do that definitely, but we also have our supervisors are quite good at organizing within their shows, setting aside some time to train people or to give them tips or so that would be maybe thirty minutes every day or an hour weekly where they're online and anybody can jump into a chat or a um, um, hangout to, to discuss something. So that we try to do this. And obviously when you're in the office, there's a lot of uh, conversations happening uh, around the computer or in a, in a screening room. But we try, we, we try to have like every new starter would have a buddy, someone who can spend a couple of weeks, a month with, or someone you can rely on to. And then on the training there's a few sessions that we've done. The, the, some of our supervisors are excellent. And I, and I say some because there's one of our supervisors loved that. So she would create a lot of material and, and then spend the time to show it to the, to, to the artist. And the other supervisors would pick that up and do the same on their shows. We're trying to organize small things per shows because it's always hard to organize something that is going to be department-wide because you pull people from their shows and then suddenly... You, you have deadlines and it's really hard. So it's uh, it's small pockets of, of time that we're trying to uh, to set up. That's a nice approach, kind of like bite-sized learning rather than most traditional post-mortems, which like you say, can be a bit old school, can't they? Where you almost go through them as a, because you have to. Then again, it goes back to what we said earlier about transactional meetings. You know, you have to have the post-mortem and everyone's on there. And actually those bite-sized interactions, I imagine are more productive and, and more, more meaningful to people from a learning perspective. 
Absolutely. And the postmortems, we, we ask the entire team, there's two, two different forms that we send out. One is more for the artist. And it's also, it's about technically how they found it, but also what was the uh, the spirit of the show? What was, uh, was it, was it a good time, a good team spirit? Was it, um, did you enjoy working with the production team? Did you enjoy working? And just to get that information of, okay, what can we do better as a team? And then all the technical side of, okay, let's make sure our team are, are getting even better with cameras. They understand why we we make those decisions because actually a camera would behave like this on set. And if you change uh, the parameters, then that changes the whole story or whatever that is. So there's two sides of the, of the training and the onboarding. And actually the training is, is never stops really. No, no, no. You're always at school, aren't you? Yes, but I think we have to at all levels. We always need to invent ourselves. Agree, completely agree. And I love that the uh, you've got that balance between team spirit and the technical. Like I think the technical absolutely has its place, but it's nothing without the team spirit, without the environment, without that positive um, kind of work working environment, you know? No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say it's it's equally important. It's equally important because um, because we spend so much time at work, we need to enjoy it. So uh, so if it's not enjoyable, then that's uh, no doesn't doesn't work. No, I think call back to again call back to Lucy's uh, episode where she talked about um, a satisfying uh, working environment, which I, I love that word. Something that's satisfying that isn't just just you know doing the thing. I can't agree more. I can't agree more. As I said earlier, I'm not. You see, I realized very quickly in my in my career that I obviously I love the the, the movies we we are we're working on, and and to me. It's about the people you are working with during that journey. It's not about the project. It's, for me, it's, and I remember when we moved to the UK, my partner at the time was, it, it was for the project because it was not enough in, in France. And for me, it was like, I don't, I don't really care. I want to learn more. I want to see how things are being done on wider and larger projects. I'm not too phased by, yes, which project we, we are working on. As long as we work with night clients, uh, and nice teams to me that's the most important if we all have if we all enjoy our time yes whether we work on a pink lady or a raccoon I don't really I don't really care yeah I love all these cryptic code words brilliant what a great a great uh, a great end to that answer Sarah um, so moving into kind of the last few the, the last few questions of, of the episode uh, Sarah is what what message or advice do you have for our frame store teams going into 2023 so as we are getting out of the pandemic, I would just like to remind everyone that we are, it's, it's fine to ask, to ask questions. It's fine to have a chat with a person sitting next to you. It's, it's actually never be afraid of, of saying hi. Um, I had a few weeks ago, one of our artists, a junior member of the team, um, joined us and for some reason I had not met her. I tried to meet all our new starters on a Monday when they when they join, but for some reason I had not met her, so I couldn't I, I couldn't picture her face. And she reached out on LinkedIn and she messaged me saying, "Oh, we were in the elevator together, and I was not sure I could say hi." And I was like, "What? Of course, always say hi. Introduce yourself, and 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 that's part of the of the team. And, and that to me goes back to the." mentorship program that you have in, in place and and i remember you asking me who were your mentors uh when we we first started that journey yes and it's the people that obviously i worked with but it was not necessarily my my boss at the time it was more other people i could go to and ask questions like silly questions when i was up and i think it's really really important to have that connect connection at all levels so my advice would be to all new starters um, and 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 not just new starters. Um, don't hesitate just to reach out to your co-workers. Um, always, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to say hi in the in the lift. Absolutely not. People will make time. People. That's the thing I found at Frame Store is people do make the time. People are so interested in learning and supporting others and paying it forward. We've seen it with the mentoring program as we've discussed and. The mentoring program is so rich and diverse with who's on there. You know, like you said, we have senior people like you on there, Sarah. We've got Fiona involved. We've got Lucy involved. We've got, you know, lots of heads of department. We've also got like, you know, junior talent involved and mid-level and, and, and supervisory level on there as well. And it's a real mixed bag. And ultimately, the one thing they have in common is they all want to 
to give something back and they want to support their their colleagues that's what it all boils down to isn't it that sense of community and support and absolutely absolutely it's about that team spirit again and getting people to to know each other and then to and to engage even if it's not about work yeah yeah that's so important isn't it so the one thing I learned when I started from not about almost six months after I started Framestore, I got so caught up with team meetings and you know catch ups and one to ones and and they were great and they got the work done, but we didn't do anything. I think we had a random catch up where we just talked about films or what we did the night before. I don't know whatever, and it was just so rich and cool, and I learned stuff about my colleagues, and I got so caught up with all the leadership skills stuff. And I forgot about all the human skills. And actually, you don't team build team spirit without those getting to know you conversations where you just find out about what makes people tick rather than, you know, what they do for a living. Oh, it's such a, it's, yeah, it's it, you forget it. And we all forgot it, didn't we, during the, pan, you know, the pandemic? It was hard to. And it's really hard to get back onto it, don't get me wrong, because we've, we've learned to be efficient in meetings, a lot more efficient. But it's very important. So, yes, that's one of my uh, good resolutions for this year is try to get those little uh, chit chats back into the mix. Well, curiosity is power. They, they say knowledge is power and it is. But actually seeking, when you, admitting you don't know something and seeking the answer through curiosity is a superpower. It's beyond power. I think it is. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's huge. Nobody's the expert on anything. Love it, love it, love it. I'm loving this conversation, Sarah. So we're going to get into the last couple of questions now, which is what one question, what's the one question you wish I'd asked you and how would you have answered it? Circling back to this conversation we just had, I think knowing a bit more about your colleagues and and about what they like doing outside of work or those things are really, really important. And especially for the people who are a bit more shy or or not as um like more introvert it's it's it makes a very good um starting starter conversation starter so i think the question would have been what do you like doing when you're not at work or what kind of hobby do you have because because i think it helps when you are especially when you are in those drinks or those in a group it helps starting a conversation uh, for those who are not that uh, comfortable with that, and I'm definitely one of those people. So yes, yeah, so for me, what I do, I have, I have kids, so I, I kind of spend a lot of time with them, and we play loads of board games. So that I love, I love a good, a good board game. Um, I hate reading the rules, though. Oh no, you need somebody. You need somebody in the family who can read the rules. That, that's Absolutely, my <laughs> we have that. We have that. So I do that. Uh, but I also love uh, baking and sewing so uh, every now and then when i get annoyed or i get like not stressed but yes i need to do something else i would uh, get in the kitchen bake something decorate a cake i would decorate cakes for my kids for their birthdays uh or i would uh, yes and make a piece of clothing sewing that's great well three great hobbies i'm gonna ask you one quick question on all of them then board games favorite board game favorite board game um right now we are doing a lot of unlock so it's like those, um, I've lost the word, like oh, escape games, but with cards. Yes. So, but it's always cards. And um, so you have an hour, an hour and a half to solve a problem. Um, and yeah, we love that. And there is a version for children now, so we can even do this, do it uh, with the kids. So, um, so Yes. Uh, yeah, I need to investigate those. I do like a board game. Okay, so we've got escape room board games, baking. So you say you uh, create these wonderful creations for your, your kids when it comes to baking cakes. I, I imagine they're for the, the big event birthdays. Um, out, and you, it's not. I'm not asking you to pick a favourite child. I'm asking you to pick a favourite bake. What was the one you were most proud of that you made for your little ones? Um, I made a few years ago a, a unicorn cake. And I must say... I'm very, I'm, I'm still very proud of it because I think I could have, I could have sold it as a, as a professional one. It was really looking wonderful. I don't think it tasted that good, that one. <laughs> but it's a good show, though. Yeah. It looked amazing. And uh, so, I, so I don't have to pick a child. So that was for my daughter and for my son. A couple of years ago, I've made, he wanted Batman and Superman. 
So I made two little figurines, sculpted two little figurines, but I made them fat. We had fat man and fat Superman. <laughs> and they were really cute, really cute to put them on top of the cake. So yes, I like doing that once or twice a year. Oh, great examples. Well, I, I want to see photos. So next time I bump into you in the, in the studio, Sarah, I need you to whip your phone out and show me some pics. And the final one is, so, so if you make clothes, what's the, what's the, what's the garment you, you, you created that you're most proud of? A dress. A dress. Wow. Yes. I made a dress for myself, well, a couple, but one of my favorite is, I had seen that movie. It's a French movie. No one will have seen, and it's not great. But that girl in that movie was wearing a, a dress made of Liberty fabric. And if you buy a Liberty fabric type of dress, it costs a fortune. So I was like, hmm, I'm going to make one. So I've, I've, I've rehearsed, I've, 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 I had made other things before, so I went for, for a dress. So that's one of my favourite, a summer dress made of Liberty fabric. Wow. That's my, still, to this day, my favourite piece of clothing. Well, that's great. And there's the three strong pursuits, three, three strong hobbies there, Sarah, and great conversation anchors to your last question. So if you bump into Sarah in the lifts, ask her about a board games, a sewing hobby, and uh, what, what the latest bake is, you know, it's kind of cool, right? That's what it's all about, having an anchor for a conversation. There's lots of these. Exactly. Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Um, so who who would you like to hear on the podcast in 2023 personally and why? Um, I do not have a, a, a person in mind, uh, really. I would love to hear maybe from someone in, in Vancouver and to tell us about Vancouver office and... How is it to uh, to work there? Okay, well, Vancouver office, I'm coming for you again because we did have uh, Daniel Mizuguchi, our head of animation over in Vancouver on episode two. So you must check that episode out, Sarah. But there's going to be a lot more happening this year. I mean, it's a weekly weekly release of uh, two-parters. So we're, we'll definitely get around to a lot more Vancouver folk for sure. Coming soon. So uh, back on the conversation, Anchors, we're going to wrap up with the big, big finish, which everybody looks forward to, which is if you had to eat one meal... For the rest of your life, Sarah, what would it be? Um, that would be a Mediterranean couscous, Moroccan couscous. That has been my favourite food my whole life. It was the um, the birthday type of, of food that we would have uh, to celebrate uh, birthdays when I was a, a child. Uh, so the family recipe, of course. But uh, yes, I would go with that absolutely every day. It has the uh, couscous grain with, with um, uh, raisins that would have soaked into flavoured water uh, for, for a few days. And then obviously vegetables and meat in the big couscous mix. Love it. Absolutely love it. And the little trick is to make it not too boring, um, to have a sweet version of it because when you come from a, a a mediterranean family when they make the couscous it always comes for like 50 people when there's only 10 of you um, so you have a lot of leftover and with the, the grain the couscous grain my 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 mother as a child would always um after after we were tired of the leftovers would put some milk and sugar in it uh, instead of the uh, the classic um yes just to finish it off uh, the sweet treat at the end so um so yes so you see i could balance it and not be bored of the uh of the classic that's so so clever and you've got the raisins in there right to kind of sweeten it up a little bit right exactly exactly so uh so i would have that absolutely every day wow that's amazing what a clever clever trick and and, and a great example and is that still a birthday feature now for you sarah it does, it, it does, although I have to make it myself and I'm not as good. Oh, but, wow, um, really? But yes, yes. Every year I'm trying to get a, a, a couscous for my birthday. Oh, and do the kids get it? No, because, no, not not the kids. It's really for me because it's my, it's my favourite one. So, um, no, they only ask for burgers or pasta. Fair enough, fair enough. They are kids. How old are your little ones? Uh, six and nine. Oh, yeah, they're definitely in the burger, the burger and fried territory, aren't they? So before I let you go, Sarah, um, we, we do have a Framestore a podcast playlist, uh, which was birthed off the back of Sergio's episode one, where he, he wanted me to ask him what music he listens to while he works. Not every, turns out not everybody listens to music while they work. 
But if you do have a couple of tracks or an artist that you do listen to while you're working, I'd love to hear it now and then we can add it to the, the playlist. So you see, I do not listen to music when I work, neither, because I like singing. And and if I start singing while I'm at work, then I sing and I don't work. So I'm losing efficiency. So I don't listen to, uh, to music when I work. Once I'm done and I need to yeah, cook something or in the kitchen, put the music on, yes. But otherwise, I do not. I did not know that about you, uh, Sarah. That's hilarious. So you, and, and you, you're often not aware that, I mean, when you're in your home, of course, but you have to be careful what you listen to when you're commuting because you might be belting out some power ballad or something. Yes, yes. And and my feet always want to start dancing. Or fight. So, uh, yes, I'm very, very careful. I must say I loved when we had to wear masks <laughs> because I could at least mumble behind my mask. Um but uh, but yes, so I need to be a bit careful. Although in the tube, because I'm surrounded by so many people, I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite shy, an introvert. Keep wearing the mask. You'd be one of those people that's still masking up. I could, I could still, I could still do that. Um, but no, in the tube, I tend not to uh, to sing. But if I'm at if I'm in my office or if I'm at working from home, for sure I would start singing. And then no, no, that becomes too embarrassing. So no. Well, I'll, I'll I'll still be coming to you for a few uh, big tunes that you like singing to for the for the podcast playlist, Sarah. There's no escape for sure. Yeah, and I agree with you. I I enjoyed the masks because I, I I really enjoy hip hop and a lot of angry angry hip hop and rap music. And uh, I know all the words, but um, I used to have my mask on. I'd be rapping along on the way to way to work, thinking I'm walking the streets of Brooklyn or something. Your kindred spirit there for sure. Wonderful. <laughs> Oh, Sarah, well, that, that brings us neatly to the end of our, our conversation. What an absolute pleasure, Sarah. Honestly, I learned so much uh, via that conversation. This is one I was particularly looking forward to. So, yeah, is there anything you want to shout about, plug, uh, put out there, anything that I've missed um, before I let you go? I think we've covered it all. I just want to wish everyone a happy happy new year because, yes, apparently last week was the last time we were allowed to say it. But you know what? I don't care. This is the review episode. We're we're still allowed in in the in our bubble of this podcast. We absolutely are. So happy new year, everyone. Well, here you go. Happy new year. Uh, and, and Sarah, good luck with uh, the chocolate maker and uh, the lady in pink. We are done. So now it's it's they are with our visual effects teams. So for us, it was wrapped. Oh no, actually not the chocolate maker. Still a few days, but um, we're nearly there. Nearly there. Sarah, thank you so so much. Much appreciated. Thank you for having me. We'll see you soon. Yes, see you soon. Bye-bye. Well, that was episode eight. Another wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, Sarah. We hope you've enjoyed our 2022 review episodes. Again, a huge thank you to Lucy Killick, James Razzle, Carl Woolley, and of course, Sarah Cashwar. Tune in next week where normal service resumes on the podcast, where we welcome another member of the Framestore community to take on the dailies and another co-host to join. Thanks for listening. See you then.